0: Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to Passports and Poets, conversations about the power of place, the places that change us, and why it matters. Just want to give everybody a heads up today that Rodney Burseal, my fearless uh, co-host and podcast partner, is not going to be joining me today. He has not been eaten by a crocodile, or uh, stomped on by elephants or rhinos, or swum with the uh, great sharks, uh, great white sharks. One time too many, so that's a good thing. Um, and we all know with Rodney, that's always a possibility. But he's unable to be here because of another, another situation. And he sends his regrets, and he sends his love. It is my extreme pleasure today to welcome David Wilcox who is a singer, songwriter, musical magician, a musical philosopher, a great storyteller, and I'm happy to say a friend, and somebody who I have followed in the music world for well over 20 years. I was introduced to uh, David's Music by a 23-year-old corporate um, management consultant from North Carolina who was doing some work with me back in New York. And he couldn't believe I hadn't heard of him, so he immediately left several of his CDs. And then I had the privilege to work uh, and to be with David in one of my favorite places in the world, which I hope we'll get to talk about, and that's that's in Ireland. So welcome, David. This is really a pleasure. Thank you. Good to Y'all. be here. I want to start out with just a little background, because I was refreshing my memory about... Uh, some of your personal roots, and I understand that you're originally an Ohio boy, a Midwest boy.
1: That is true, yes. Well, you know,
0: I have to say, I have never met a man from Ohio that I didn't think was just totally wonderful, so I'm glad glad the uh, the record still stands here. But you somehow found your way down to North Carolina. How did that happen?
1: It was by bicycle. My friend Art and I were bicycling the whole Length of the Blue Ridge Parkway. It was uh, a spectacular ride, but um, the problem was we we couldn't bring our guitars. We were traveling very light, so um, we were asking other travelers, "Where do we find you know musicians?" And they said, "Well, there's this little hippie school called Warren Wilson. We're going through Asheville. You just head a little bit east, and so we went." And um, we found lovely musicians and wound up staying on campus for a few days before we continued our bicycle trip. And uh, as we were rolling our bikes off of the campus again to get going, I stopped by the admissions office. And uh, because I thought, you know, that's a place that I could I could actually go to college, I think. um, It was cheap back then. And uh, I, it was just the perfect fit for me.
0: And it sounds like you found, like, felt like you found some of your tribe there, your musical tribe.
1: I did. And most of all, um, you know, I, I thought I was going to be a music major. Um, and I, I was uh, kind of thrown off a little bit when my advisor called me into his office and he said, you know, you could graduate this term. I said, I haven't even done my final project yet. And he said, well, not as a music major. I said, I am a music major. He said, no, you're not. I said, what do you mean? He said, look at the classes you took. He shows me my transcript. And I said, well, well, what am I? He said, you're a humanities major with a concentration in religion. But I didn't expect that. (laughs) And he said, well, if you want to graduate now, that's what you are. So uh, that's what I did.
0: <laughs> unintended consequence. <laughs> so, uh,
1: but each term, I would just pick the classes that just seemed most mm-hmm. interesting. And somehow managed to make every paper sort of a, an internal quest, no matter what the assignment was. So um, I was just, I was still a music major in my own <laughs> heart and mind, but I just had stuff to sing about.
0: Well, you know what I find so interesting about what you just said? Is how much of that point of view, or uh, where you c- seem to come from, in your music, in the humanities, in the the, the broader philosophy, and connection uh, between people. So. It wasn't always, it? <laughs> it really informed a lot of, of your music. And of course, that North Carolina area is so deep and steep in musical tradition. Once you were there and spending more time there, did any of that influence you that you're aware of?
1: Yes, I played a lot of old time music. I love old time music. Um, and uh, I mostly I love sort of the, the attitude that the musicians have about what music is for. You know music for community. Music is for celebration. Music is to be in the midst of playing it. That's really what old time music is about, um, and it's music to move to. Uh, and I love that um, there's so much different kinds of music that cross pollinates in Asheville. I'm in this lovely songwriter group uh, of Asheville musicians. Uh, you know, if you go to a a, a songwriter gathering in, you know, a music town, you're gonna hear people who are trying to write songs that sort of check all the boxes. But if you go to an Asheville songwriter group, you'll walk away thinking,
0: man, I didn't know you could do that. That's great. Yeah. (laughs) And then show me how. Yeah, Oh, yeah, that's great. Fun. Um, and part of North Carolina that I'm familiar with, actually, I spent a lot of time in, in Hendersonville, and so I know, I know Warren Wilson College. I passed that sign a million times. But there's also another yeah. um, famous kind of hippie school, Black Mountain College, which was just rife yeah. with poets and writers. And did you have any uh, relationship with that or get to meet any of the people from, from that area?
1: black mountain college was a famous place that is now the grounds of a summer camp uh and it was you know after world war ii uh a a real progressive uh sort of a petri dish for growing the the alternative cultures uh that would wind up happening 10 and 20 years later and uh so it was that right now there's a a beautiful museum that documents all the stuff that went on there. But my experience with it was the um, Black Mountain Festival, um, and that turned into the LEAF, Lake Eden Arts Festival. Uh, that still happens, and uh, it's one of the more beautiful pieces of land that I've ever seen, and great place to have a music festival. I love that this area still feels like travel to me. I know that I've been here a long time, but I I still feel like it's a real eye opener to see these mountains and to sort of thank my lucky stars that I'm not in Ohio <laughs> anymore. That sense of yeah. like really noticing where I am and noticing I got here on purpose. Um, that has been a a real source of energy and inspiration in my life. And um, it's fascinating because I part of my other songwriter group, the online group, we have prompts every month. And one of the prompts was uh, to write about where we're from. And so right away, I thought, okay, well, the song is going to be called I'm From Nowhere because it's about Mentor Ohio where nothing ever Happened but the fun part Was the song started out Funny it started out being About like you know if you're From Texas you can say you Know I'm from Texas because that's a cool thing But if you're from Ohio you kind of You kind of keep it really quiet (laughs) Keep it to yourself (laughs) And and so um, I I wound Up uh, like actually Googling where I'm from and the history Of it and I found out Um, it's a fascinating journey. Um, would you mind if I speak the lyrics from this song? Okay. So it starts out. If only I was from Texas, I could dress Western shirt. I could wear those boots and find my roots kicking the down home dirt. I could tip my hat and say, yes, (laughs) ma'am. On the barbecue, red hot. If only I was from Texas, I wish I was, but I'm not, I'm from nowhere. In the beat up buckle of the rust belt where the fields of soybeans grow, I made a vow and I'm grateful now to escape from Ohio. It's a marvelous thing to be from there because no matter where you may roam, you're bound to feel you found better and you never have to go back home. (laughs) I'm from nowhere, the (laughs) mid-midwest. Each place you go there, it's like all the rest. There's no air of mystery, rolls off my tongue, no sense of history from where I'm from. But this is the part where I Googled it. General Moses Cleveland surveyed the Western Reserve. The Treaty of Greenville granted the Indians all the land they deserved. You could call the white folk settlers, but that was a schoolbook lie. What they did was unsettling sovereign people and tribes, straight street houses, flat green lawns. Once this was forest. But now that's gone. No sense of history, because all we learned in school was we all had a happy Thanksgiving and nobody ever was cruel. I'm from nowhere. But this land must have had stories that nobody here can recall. We dug up all of the native graves to build the Great Lakes Mall. We like to think this is where a suburb so serene, no murdered women and children, no blood on the battle scene, I'm from nowhere. Oh, it's over land. Newscaster plain speak, boring and bland. No air of mystery rolls off my tongue. I'm from nowhere. What have we done? There's no sense of history from where I'm from.
0: Wow. <clears throat> and that's such a great example of how when you're writing a song, you start off thinking it's about one thing. <laughs> and, <Yeah. laughs> and just by writing it, you realize, whoops, nope. <laughs> it's about something else. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Well, the, the book into that, David, is the first song I ever wrote. It was called, What Am I Doing in Texas? <laughs> so oh, it was kind of the opposite of that. Like, how the world did I ever get here? Oh, I'm, I'm dancing yeah. with cowboys drinking Shiner Bach beer. Okay. Um, well, thank you for having that uh, and, and reading that because, you know, as an army brat um, and growing up in a lot of places, that was the dreaded question. It, when somebody <laughs> says, where are you from? You'd have to go, well, you see, my dad was in the military and I was born in Washington and then two years I went to Germany. And um, it's just a, it's an essential question for all of us that I know you write about. Yeah. Um we met in 2015 in, we talk about the power of place, for me it was Northern Ireland. And even though I'd known your music for years and years, I'd, I had not been to a concert, I did not know you personally, but that was the reason I went to, I flew across, flew across the ocean and ended up in, uh, where were we, in Belfast I guessed, and then taken to some really remote place. To meet you, and you were working with now a mutual friend of ours, um, Gareth Higgins, who is a mm-hmm. f- Irish Northern Irish philosopher and storyteller, and a protege of the wonderful John O'Donohue. But that was the first time I experienced how you use music and how you enter into all kinds of emotions um, through the music. So how did you get involved in that? And what has that experience meant to you? I think you've done it a few times with Gareth now, haven't you?
1: I have and I, I love the uh, the way when you are singing songs in the midst of a bigger conversation, the songs get carried along in the current Of the ideas that you're already expressing. And so it's like when you're paddling downstream, you have your own speed, but you also have the speed of the river. And uh, it's a lovely feeling to be carried in that flow. So I always love my music to um, be in service to bigger conversations. I love to think that my songs are a good way to start a good conversation, but if the songs can sort of give us time to feel the emotion of what it is we're talking about um then the conversations that surround the song sort of seep into it and make it more intense and the advantage for me that i take with me is that those extra meanings those sort of parallel plots get uh sort of uh seeped into the song and stay there so then when i'm singing the song the next time in another context i have that uh subtext i have that uh that wealth of uh other reasons to be singing the song other uh stories that it's telling and uh the the fascinating thing for me about that whole ireland thing is Uh, When we learn about how people decided that the story of their past didn't have to doom them to a future, of conflict, uh, it really applies well to the division that we're seeing in our own country. And Ireland has kind of seen where that leads. And uh, they have walked themselves back out of that. Uh, to a degree. And uh, it's inspiring to see that at a political level, but also at a personal level. The stories that we tell about the events of our life can be just about the past. It can be a prison of circumstance, or you could tell the same events in a way that leaves room for there to be a future that has more of that hero's journey aspect and I find that I'm writing a lot of songs about that now there's really songs about reframing the uh the things that I've been through to uh make it a a really fascinating story instead of it just being sort of a a presupposition of limitation or
0: a headline somewhere I think that was the thing that that really struck me the most was how present that daily decision is um, to to get up yeah. every day. You can work next to somebody at the bank and then you go home and you one person goes to one neighborhood, and another goes to another neighborhood. But they have to make a decision every day to live a life that's civilized. and Boy, that's, I came home with that, and I can't encourage people enough to go there. And they'll say, well, I'm not going to go there because, you know, it's dangerous. I'm like, you know, get over that. Open yourself to a broader experience, because it fundamentally changed me as well. And then having your music as a backdrop to that. One of the things I've learned to appreciate with about you, and having been with you now in a couple of retreat settings and session settings, um, is how you just kind of get up through your guitar and you're doing some chords and you think, oh, he's just diddling until, you know, something really is starting to happen. <laughs> and then you realize, oh, no, this is what's supposed to be happening. And my thoughts get channeled and my ideas open up and the next thing you know, we're just off and running emotionally. And that's, it's a whole new way of experiencing music, so I really appreciate that.
1: I do love those spontaneous songs that happen. Yeah. In service, of someone else's art of yeah, mind. Yeah, I
0: want to talk about that in a bit too, because that's that's another uh, something that I uh, you are just an originator of in my world. Maybe other people are doing it, but I I don't think so, and they're certainly not doing it like like you do. Um, the um, well, let's, let's just talk about that because. <clears throat> The other thing that that you introduced to me, and I have to kind of laugh because you talk about songwriters and prompts, and um, I must be the slowest songwriter in the world, maybe because I don't have any external pressure <laughs> to churn some out, or somebody's waiting for something. Um, but I, you know, I start with an idea. I don't even know it's an idea. It's a phrase. It's a conversation. I write it down. And then I read something, and it feels. But for instance, this last song, I just quote, big air quotes here, finished, um, took me about five years to write. <laughs> I know, I'd never make a living at this I? <laughs> and it started at a Folk Alliance um, conference five years ago when somebody said something to me about a song. And I'm, I am in awe. I mean, it's a, I know it's a discipline. I also know it's a muscle. But when I have been to songwriter workshops and weekends and somebody says, okay, pull a, pull a thing out of a jar and that's your prompt and go home and write one and be ready to you know, have it tomorrow, I was like, well, I might have an idea and I might have the first four lines, <laughs> but I'm just in awe of um, the real songwriters that can sit with it and, and just make some magic out of it. Have you always been able to do that?
1: For me, yeah, I'm just I'm just learning how. And the fascinating thing for me is that I feel like the biggest change in my facility with songwriting is my access to my own heart, my access to knowing what I'm feeling and knowing why. And uh, it is songwriting that taught me that. And I I have through songwriting. I get a hunch of what I might be feeling and I trust it and I follow it and I kind of have this time lapse sort of slow collecting of uh the truth that I'm after uh and so what I learn is to trust those hunches and to to go on them uh and the The way it is for me now writing a song, I can feel into, you know, wherever the song starts, whether it's a musical phrase or whether it's a lyrical phrase or whether it's just a vibe or an idea. I can feel into the scene and the characters and ask myself questions like, okay, in this song, there's always a persona, there's like a person who's speaking. And who is that person? And whom are they speaking to? And why? Those are the questions I answer first, and I can feel into the story. And then I ask, okay, so if you were filming it, what images would you use? What images sort of uh, hold that same emotion? Um, And uh, the the way we can make the scene speak to the interiority. is so powerful in songs and uh so um for me wherever it starts i just go to what am i feeling like for example if i get a musical idea i will ask myself let's pretend that this is the soundtrack to a scene in a movie what's the scene you listen to the musical phrase that you have and you say What do we know just from this about the scene that this is describing? What emotion is this? How does it change? Where is it coming from? Where is it going to? You know, where are the surprises and where are the certainties? All of that has parallels in stories that I have lived. And so if I start with a musical phrase right away, it's reminding me of feelings that I felt and that reminds me of places that I've been, people that I've talked to, ideas. And so it, it leads me right there. So it's always heart first uh, for me in, in songwriting.
0: I know this isn't my private songwriting workshop, but I'm going to treat it as if it is, because that is really powerful and helpful to me as a cabaret singer doing the standards and doing that whole genre and art form in New York uh, for many years. They always start with who are you, where are you, And, and what they call inhabiting the music. And it's always yeah. seemed easier to me to do it with a Frank Lesser song than it has with my own. And, and part of that is the closer you get to your own truth, um, at least at this point, the, little, the scarier it can, can be. So,
1: Tell me more about that fear. Why would it be oh, scary? Oh, now
0: you're doing your thing. <laughs> 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 hey, folks, for listeners, I know we're supposed to be talking to our audience, but this is what it's like to work with David. Why would it be scary? Because... Oh, because I th- i think for myself, I would say everybody, but I'm only going to speak for myself, there are aspects of disappointment and pain, uh, hurt, unrealized or potentially never realized dreams that can always stay there if I don't call them out and name them and saying, well, that sucked, you know, <laughs> or, or this really broke my heart and I hadn't intended it to, and yet that's exactly the very thing when I get to that point that I know I need to be doing and working with a great songwriter like you or with a great cabaret mentor is when they they ask you that you know so why is this so scary or if it weren't scary what would it sound like
1: it is just so fascinating to me and I I have compassion for that fear of what I'm calling old pain Stuff that we've lived through before, it's not going to be more intense than it was the first time, and we live through it. <laughs> so um, my opinion is there's absolutely nothing to fear, and there's so much to gain because when, when we use music as a way to sort of change old pain into vision and compassion and energy, it's this bizarre emotional alchemy where we wind up turning old pain into really joy and actually bliss. And, you know, that's a really good trade. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it is a fascinating thing for me. I mean, it's miraculous that I manufacture things of value and the raw materials don't cost <laughs> me anything. That's, man- that's amazing enough. Basically what I use are words. Oh, those are free. And notes. Mm, well, I can make those out of nothing. <laughs> so, you know, Uh, Most people have to buy raw materials. You make a house out of wood. But I make songs out of stuff that's free. But what's even more spectacular than that is the worth and the value and the real power of the songs. Not only comes from old pain, which is free, but it transforms old pain into a perspective of life that is more full of optimism and possibility and uh, it basically paves the road in front of me to move forward. Uh, and, uh, you know, so not only are the raw materials free, but it, uh, the process of working on songs, songs are the byproduct, songs are not the goal. The process of working on songs, when I work on a song, it's working on me. Right.
0: That's another reason to <laughs> and avoid <the> epiphany it.
1: <laughs> that's, and the epiphany that's held in the song, you know, changes the way I go at life. And so it gives me courage in conversations in the rest of my life. You know, the thing that I always wanted was, you know, to live my life the way I got a glimpse of how it could be in my music. Um so you know, live the music, sing the life, and vice versa. It's a powerful alchemy of emotional uh, transformation. So that's the thing that's really changed my life. And, and that's why I I used to, you know like be finishing up a record and think, oh, I need one more song for a record. And that's a weird way of thinking about music as if it's like a product. But now when I come at a new song, I think of it like therapy. I think of it like I'm going to sort of nurture my heart. I'm going to make a clearer path between the subtle yearnings of my heart and the understanding of my mind. And if I can make a better path through the wilderness between heart and mind, then uh, my navigation system is more integrated. And I mean navigation in terms of like what I really want, what really matters. Where's the soul of it? Where's the juice of it? Where's the real fun of life? And uh, so that's the thing that has given me the most out of working on music is just that emotional uh, integrity of uh, learning how to sort of trust in all of the senses that I'm getting about where I'm at in life, and senses including uh, the subtleties of how it feels. Deciding between several options in a song is a simple little harmless exercise, but I apply it to everything. When I'm out on walkabout, I will come to an intersection and look one way and look the other way and look the third way and wait for my heart to say which one has the juice, which one has the beauty, as if I could know. How could I know? I know. And if I imagine that I know somehow, that wakes up this piece in me that is more willing to take in all the information I'm getting when I'm faced with a decision. And that's why it was so confusing for the realtor when we were buying our new house because I brought the guitar along and I would say, I'll just need a few minutes. And I would bring the guitar in, play the guitar in the new house. You know, there's nobody home. And she would say, "Uh, so does this sound good? I said, yeah, sounds okay. But I don't think we live here. She'd say, why not? I'd say, well, the song didn't really feel right. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and she'd say, what does that have to do with the house
1: you want to buy? Doesn't it have more to do with the kitchen? I, said, yeah, nah. I can't explain
0: it, lady. <laughs> wow. Well, you know, David, it's, it's, it would be miracle enough. It would be, uh, and it is awesome enough to have you be able to have incorporated that. And that's your substance and where all this begins for yourself, but the other thing that you do, and this is this is something I really did want to talk with you about, is how incredibly quickly and deeply you do that for other people, not just with your songs and and us relating to your songs, which of course is always a beautiful, a beautiful marriage of that heart and mind. Um, but this and this process that you—I don't—maybe that's a bad word that you call musical medicine. And I can speak to this to my listeners that are listening to this because I have been the recipient of your musical medicine, and I think it might have even been fairly early in the game when you were doing this. This was in the retreat in North Carolina. And I was a mess, as you... (laughs) you may recall. I was coming out of a relationship that was very painful and very confusing and still having a lot of emotional energy around it, both positive and negative. And you asked the group, when you introduced this idea of musical medicine, you asked the group, does anybody have something going on that you'd like to share? And I was like, well, what the hell? So I did. And I don't know, it didn't take you 45 seconds before you were doing your strumming thing and (laughs) i think okay he's thinking no you were you presented something that was so emotionally true to me that it tapped into levels that i hadn't even been aware of and just you know cried and sobbed and sobbed and cried and it was very healing it was it really was like medicine um so would you talk a little bit about how you started this or what inspired it? Because uh, it's, a, it's such a powerful thing. And then I see some of the the things that other people have requested of you and what the gifts that you've brought, <laughs> brought to them. And it's it just stuns me. I just think I've just never seen or experienced anything like it.
1: It is a real joy for me. And part of the joy is that I've... I, I never really think that it's possible. I never really think I can do this. What I feel is um, I go to a place where I'm sort of wanting to honor and understand some other person's state, some other person's, you know, the way they're feeling, the way they're looking at the world. It's as if I just want to get inside that and uh, so I come in assuming that it has its own reasons and dignity, and I'm just gonna sort of sort of feel into that. And then, uh, from that, I get uh, a particular rhythm or a particular sound, and then I will get a quick little hunch of an image. And if I try to think like, where's that going, it, I don't get anything. But if I just start singing, the line that I first thought of is like three-quarters of the way done. I've got about half a second until the next one has to be there. And I just concentrate on this person and what they're feeling. And the next line shows up. <laughs> and and then uh, sometimes, you know, it has a real form to it. And it has rhyme. And, you know, somebody once came to me after watching this musical medicine. And he said, man, you're doing like the chords and like the melody and you're figuring out the rhymes and it's like having two brains. (laughs) And I said, or actually none at all. It's like, I'm not even thinking. (laughs) I'm just feeling this other person and I'm just kind of immersed in that. And if I really just let that be my world, the song takes care of itself. And that's my experience of it. And I don't uh, remember the song when I'm done. (laughs) That's the weird part. Um, and so, um, I, I love the experience because it has that, uh, real grounding sense of, uh, you know, you ain't playing. That's sort of the, the, the feel of it. Um, and of course that's a quote from a friend of mine who was, um, feeling very carried away and inspired in his solo. And, uh, you know, this woman standing next to him in the choir sort of takes her Bible and kind of anoints him on the shoulder with her Bible with a nice firm tap, and she says, "You ain't playing," and uh, that was her way of saying, "You know, Jesus <laughs> is, is inhabiting you right now," and, and that's a great place.
0: To well, be. it's also so, I don't um, remember a single thing, a single note, a single word, a single phrase about that song, and I didn't even like the next day what I remember is the, and to this day, the embodiment of it. So the fact that you uh, don't remember it, I don't remember, but it still exists in a much more yeah. important form is, um, you know, is, <laughs> there's no words. I mean, it's just really, really powerful. Now you do these musical medicine um, events, gatherings, retreats, concerts, I don't know what you call them, Um, as an intentional thing is that correct or is it always part of a byproduct of something or
1: well it's um the time that i do it exclusively uh there's uh, usually a week every year where i just do that all day um usually up at the omega institute in new york and uh there's this little room you know that holds maybe 20 or 30 people and each song is just like i will look out at the crowd and say so how about you what's uh what's it like being you today and someone will tell me a little bit of what they're going through and then i'm launching into the next song and i just keep doing that all day but is it
0: exhausting i mean do you get to the end of that day and you're just you don't even know it but you're emotionally psychologically depleted or
1: I would say the first five years, it was really exhausting. Um, and then I kind of learned to worry less and let go more and it became easier. Uh, and, and now I love, you know, when I'm doing a regular concert of like songs I actually have written, uh, <laughs> uh, there's always one song in the night, which is a spontaneous song. I will feel the, the time when it's right and I'll say, you know, there must be somebody who's going through something that needs a song that's just for you, just for now, a song that's never been sung before. Is there anybody uh, willing to sort of stand up? It'd be good for everyone in the room if you were, because maybe we could have a song that's never going to be sung again. And, uh, And it usually happens that someone will stand up and say something they're going through. And so the offshoot of that has been that now i i do these custom songs which i do a conversation with somebody over the phone for about an hour and then i get the heart of the the thing that they need a different perspective on and then i will write the song and it this is not a spontaneous song this is a really well crafted over several days kind of a song and then i will send them the recording and the lyric and um and that's been a wonderful way of putting my skills in service to other people's stories and other people's hearts. And there's been a lot of them. And that's just been, I think in the last four or five years I've been doing custom songs. Um and now there's, you know, probably 60 of them. And I keep thinking it would be fun to make a record just of custom songs because you could include Little bits of the interview, which I, uh, you know, or or you could have even, you know, comments from the people who it was written for. It could be quite yes. a book. It could be. Yeah. I, so that hasn't happened yet, but I hope it will.
0: Well, you're very creative in, in using this energy and where you're led to actually create new ways of expressing it. So I think I wouldn't be surprised if a book is in the offing there. Um, one of the things I wanted to give you about my observations of listening to a lot of your music. Um, and we will be playing um, we've gotten lovely gift of permission from David to play some short clips of of some of these songs and some others, so, um, but one of the things that occurred to me is you have you write songs that are so um oh so universal, so human, global aspect of the biggest themes in life, but always feeling like the words are directly um, written for me in my personal situation. And at the other end of the the spectrum is a, a group of songs, many of your songs, that are so powerfully intimate that I don't want anybody else around when I'm listening uh, to them. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> you know, for instance, yeah. in, in a, just a beautiful human way, I was uh, listening uh, just recently to your song Kindness. Yeah. And for the listeners, I'm going to mention several songs so that you can go look them up and buy the CD and we'll play a few clips. But that song Kindness was so spare and about something so human and fundamental that I, I don't think... We spend much time, if any time, really recognizing it for what it is. Do you remember what prompted that particular song?
1: Well, of course it was my sweetie, Nan.
0: I know. I was going. We'll talk about her and later. Oh, she is a sweetie. Thing.
1: It is a fascinating thing to me that um, there aren't a lot of songs about that. There are, you know, a lot of songs about initial attraction. And, uh, you know, that's fine. But... Uh, I've always been fascinated with songs that have more complex characters and issues and stories. And, uh, and so that was a, a really satisfying song to write and to sing.
0: And to listen to. <laughs> I love your sense of you.
2: I love to see you smile I love your sense of balance I love your sense of time I love your music in the morning your rhythm in the night But it's your kindness That shines so bright
0: And then con- continuing with our theme of whiplash, I love your song, After Your Orgasm. Yeah. And I know you've gotten some blowback <laughs> you, I think, about that. I think and it's
1: just a really sweet love song with one is. little word in it. And I think if you were to imagine, you know, the heart of that song without that playful word, but in some ways, that to me is a fascinating aspect of songwriting that, uh There, there's a lot of my songs that start with something quirky and noticeable. You know, like uh, there's a song start with the ending that starts off. You know, secret to a happy marriage. Maybe you should write this down.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I wish I had actually. (laughs) That
1: has that playful Uh, kind of attitude. But um, uh, I think um, there's uh, there's something fun about just putting something in a song that's startlingly <laughs> incongruent, you know, yes. just so people will say, wait a
0: minute, what, wait, what did he say? Did he really say that? Can he really say that? <laughs> Can they publish that? It's just <laughs> no, it is. A it's a delightful song. song. And it is that's exactly, it. it's, it's just so unexpected and, um, and continuing with this, um, pantheon in this vein, um, a song of yours I just rediscovered, uh, is your song, The Hard Part? Oh, yeah. Wow. Um, Maybe it's because of, you know, reflecting and I'm writing a memoir and looking at a lot of relationships. But that one really, really touched me about we know so much about each other. Now let's get down to the hard part. And don't be afraid to share that. So,
1: Yeah. That's a fascinating song. Um, I was doing a songwriting workshop and somebody... Uh, I I was recommending that people, um, if they're finding trouble getting inspired, start with a song that already exists and use it as a way to uh, immerse yourself in in the emotion of that song. And then write another verse to that existing melody and then lift that verse up and set it into another melody and set it into another set of chords. But it's just a way to get started.
0: Oh, that's brilliant. And
1: so uh, somebody did that, a friend of mine did that and sang a song that was originally written to the same scan as Eye of the Hurricane. And so we got to be friends and I sang that song that he had written and changed a few things and made it sort of a co-write. And uh, the, the, the wisdom in that song is, is powerful to me. It is uh, one of those songs that when you're really in the, the depth of it, it's a song that can meet you where you are and shine a light
0: out. Well, I definitely would like to play a little bit of that for our listeners because that, that's how it struck me. I just, from the first minute, um, there's something about that that I tap into and then, then I'm off and running, you know, on my my yeah. brain and my heart and usually my hand at the same time or scribbling notes yeah. and things. You mentioned co-writing, and another one of your songs that has had an enormous effect on me, As uh, I, I love how this works, at just the right time in my life, um, is the song you wrote with Beth Nielsen Chapman, Deeper Still. Yeah. How often do you write with her? And that song in particular just just... Is I think it's perfect. <laughs> I think it's just we've probably perfect.
1: written more than a dozen. I would guess fifteen songs, maybe, and uh, and that was uh, the first one that we wrote together, and it was a love adventure. And I I really love writing with Beth. She is she does not compromise. She goes for the the song and keeps at it and doesn't sort of, you know, give up halfway. She really goes for the whole soul of what she's trying to get to. And it's, she's really a beautiful inspiration
2: to write with. In the tears you gave to me, I found a river to enjoy. concrete sky and a stone cold sea
0: I came to where the
2: emptiness cracked open and all my fears came crashing through and met the fire of my side But I found my strength In forgiving you I never even dreamed How far my heart Could go To give my life Beyond each death From this deeper well to know that when there's nothing left You will always have what you gave to love
0: Well, and that song, as I mentioned earlier, I have um, done a lot of cabaret in New York for years, and there's, a, there's an arc to a cabaret show, as there is to any artistic... Um, something that you put out for yourself or for others. And there is a, a, a spot in the show called uh, the 11 o'clocker. <laughs> and the 11 o'clocker comes right before the boffo finish. And mm-hmm. the 11 o'clocker is the one that you hope reaches down into your and hopefully your audience's heart and deepest mind and expresses something so true. And this particular cabaret show at that time was about again an endings and and some, a situation and that was my 11 o'clocker mm-hmm. it was for me such a powerful expression of something so deep and real and beautiful and difficult um, that it was um, it was the perfect song and the perfect place so
1: I'm so glad it serves it's so fun that songs go out into the world and mm-hmm. find
0: them yeah and, it, and as a songwriter and a recorder Unless you hear back, how would you know? (laughs) You know, you just put them out there because you put them out there, not for any other reason. And then finally, the other song in that category, for me, um, is the song All the Roots Grow Deeper when it's dry. Ah, I had just come back from um, three weeks in France in the summer where they had that awful drought. I guess it was 2003 or something. And visiting so many vineyards and the parallel of the, the theme, the voice, the heart in that song just made so much sense on a, a multi-level. Here you, you really do see the roots, <laughs> but they are okay, we were assured, because those roots are ancient and they go down so deep. Yeah. And to be able to extrapolate that to life was, again, just such a gift.
1: That was inspired from when we were traveling in Sweden, visiting Nancy's relatives, and they were talking about, you know, recent tough times economically in Sweden, which had kind of taken them by surprise because they had had such a long run of of prosperity, and uh, that song sort of came from that experience
0: and that word of course is in the song (laughs) so yeah uh, one of my favorites i just wish we could do this all night but we won't so (laughs) um the other thing i wanted to chat with you about is you have an extraordinary ability to find or create ways to stay personally connected with your tribe um, you have the Wilcox Homecoming weekends, um, yeah um, you have which I you know have friends that have gone to. I haven't made it to one yet. Your songwriter retreats, like the one in that I experienced in Ireland and the one in um, uh, Hot Springs, North Carolina, I guess. Um, you have one that you do on a barge cruise in France. You do pick nice spots. I have to hand it to you. Um, there's one in Colorado in Devil's Thumb Ranch. And then you have an intense touring schedule with your, when you're always out there with your people, your, your, I like the word tribe because that's how it feels to me. So how did you manage to stay connected during the depths of the pandemic when so much of that personal contact um, and relationship with your, your, your tribe was just simply cut off for the better part of a year?
1: It was an interesting learning curve, and I I now really enjoy doing the live streams. At first, it was confusing and disorienting and kind of draining because I didn't have that. Uh, it was like uh, no react, no no feedback about how it's going, who's getting it, who's not. But I found a way to sort of imagine it differently where i'm speaking basically one-to-one because the whole audience is usually you know individuals watching by themselves so um i can uh i can change the way i imagine our connection uh and the usual sort of performance cliches you know are laughable in a setting like that you can't you know, say like. How you doing tonight? <laughs>
0: yeah, hey, hey, who's from Cleveland here? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so, uh,
1: it became more intimate. And that was a fascinating turn. And I, I, I was able to sort of open up my perception of the, uh, how the songs are being received. And I don't have, I don't really know if this is possible, but it seems in my imagination that I was able to sort of feel how it was going, that connection, how, um, I could perceive. And, um, so, uh, it was satisfying in surprising ways. And, and then when I started to do live shows again, I discovered that, uh, it was as if I had the, the sensitivity turned up all the way on my perception of how the songs are being received. And I get in front of a real crowd and it sort of blows me away. So I had to find that volume again and turn that down. And uh, so it's been a fascinating learning curve. And part of the learning curve was purely technological. I wound up getting a bunch of gear and my son really helped me out, loaning me his awesome camera. So I made it really look good. and mm-hmm. uh,
0: Yeah, I saw a few. They're, they're wonderful. Yeah. yeah. I, I just think that's um, it's so interesting because you are back again on a, a full-time touring schedule, from what I understand or from what I can see of your schedule. Um, it's,
1: yeah. A little bit busy these couple months, and we'll see how it goes. I don't know. Uh, it's There are some gigs that are canceling just two weeks out just because promoter realizes – you know the numbers are going up, not down, and we gotta gotta be responsible. So,
0: well, it was it's interesting. Rodney uh, and I have talked to several of um, our friends, your friends, uh, musicians, about this and um, the experience of the intimacy of the Zoom, and then trying to readjust to that, and and the surprise. And I'm wondering if this was true for you, but particularly where you live, of the the luxury of being home.
1: Oh my God, yes. I, I was able to feel the things that most people take for granted, the groundedness, the deep dreams that happen, sleeping in the same bed, uh, the profound nurturing of friendships, and you know the love that I have with Nance, just cooking meals together and just being together a lot. It was wonderful. And luckily we were um, potted up with our next door neighbors and had meals with them. So we did have a strong sense of community. And I, I got creative with uh, doing front yard movies. I put the big TV on a uh, giant roller thing that comes out with a sound system on it. And we, we would have neighbors bring in the lawn chairs and set up in the front yard and we had the electric blankets in the winter. Oh and the my big,
0: goodness! Yeah, it was lovely. Yeah, you know, it reminds me of this uh, what yes. I call the aperture. Um, when I was going through a you know particularly wicked and, and fabulous <laughs> in retrospect time in my life, I was just so much more open. I was just so much more permeable, and I began to wonder if that aperture that I had to that. Part of myself would begin to close when other things began to happen. I think it's going to be very interesting. Um, I'd love to connect with you and our our friends and musicians and other artists about wh- exactly what you're describing. And are we able to continue to capture the richness of that in the midst of all oh, that was really difficult? <laughs> about, yeah, about the last year. And
1: I like the analogy of the aperture because you know it's really adjustable and if you put it on automatic you know it can you can uh be with a lot of people and you know kind of crank it tight a little and uh and then open it up to get the starlight uh it's it's a fascinating uh comparison and I agree that uh, my heart did learn some wonderful deep lessons during this time and you know I know that's tough to say because there's a lot of people who have been Really hit hard Uh, uh, and yet there were beautiful lessons in the midst of all that Mm -hmm.
0: yeah well David I'm going to give that metaphor to you (laughs) see what you do how about if we both do it and see what we come up with as a song I'd love that what I don't particularly love is bringing this um, fabulous time to a close you've been so generous with your time and again I feel wickedly selfish to have had this one-on-one conversation with you and to reconnect with you in this way. It's been a, a few years and I certainly look forward to more. I'm, we're going to put your main uh, www.DavidWilcox.com on our um, our page when we post this so that people can have access to it because it's a really, really well-done um access point to all the things that you're doing with the information about David's uh, writers' retreats and his concerts and um, the musical medicine weekends he does with our good friend uh, Gareth Higgins and access to your new music. is just a great central landing page for so many things that are going on with you, and I'm glad that you make that accessible. I love the link. <laughs> okay, listeners, listen up, because I love this link where, and you have to remind me, David, what it's called. You click on it, and you're like... Oh, are you feeling neglected? Well, here are some songs for you. Oh, if you're feeling like your lover just left and he or she shouldn't have, well, okay, here are some songs for you. I mean, it's all of these, and I kept scrolling down, and they just kept coming. I was like, yeah, yeah, that's going to be awesome. I'm going to bookmark, <laughs> bookmark this page. So again, you yeah. make you make yourself and your music and your heart and your soul so accessible to us. So I want to thank you for that. Um, My so, pleasure. So very much. And as always, I need to and want to thank our—we call him Rodney. And I like to call him our senior, senior executive producer, uh, award-winning. Actually, in all seriousness, uh, Brock Glenn Thomas who is our uh, lifeline and just just the most ebullient force in our life and genius. so thank you, Brock, for helping make all of this a reality for us. We wanna thank Rupert Neve Designs, who have graciously provided some of the equipment for our podcast, which is, again, such a gift. Donovan Frankenrider, who has provided our intro and our outro music. We also want to be sure to thank KWVH 94.3 and wimberlyvalleyradio.org, our hometown radio station, who rebroadcasts um, our podcasts, And we're excited about that and grateful for that. And mostly we want to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in when you do and giving us the feedback that you do. And remember, you can always leave a comment on PassportsAndPoets.com or on the sites wherever, as they say, wherever you find your podcasts on Apple Music. Um, I can't even remember all of them. Geezer, Deezer. I mean, <laughs> there's so many, so many of these podcast sites. But thank you for tuning in, and thank you for being a part of this wonderful community that we're creating. Until next time.
2: See the look that's in your eyes that says I must keep most of me inside Cause you'd never love me if I didn't hide the secrets of my heart Well I'm not here for the surface stuff, but just get bored with all that fluff So show me the edges even if it's rough, and let the real love start you think your shame and deep disgrace are more than I can bear But you can go to your darkest place, I will meet you there and I'm strong enough to take it, and I know what you've been through you got a whole heart, give me the hard part, I can love that too You look at me with some surprise and I see the doubt that's in your eyes Like something deep inside you cries with a hunger to be known Like a tiger born in a city zoo There's been no place for what's inside of you You try to live like the others do and it leaves you so alone I know you think that the heat of your pain is more than I can stand Burn it all in one big flame and I will hold it in my hand I'm strong enough to take it and I know what you've been through You got a whole heart, give me the hard part, I can love that too Now your eyes well up with tears As desire mixes with your fears After so many wounded years Can you long for what you've missed? You want a cool breeze to dance with your flame A long-lost lover who knows your true name A secret garden beyond this shame And it all comes down to this think you're drowning, hope will die in the sea without a shore But I can drink that ocean dry and still come back for more I'm strong enough to take it, and I know what you've been through You got a whole heart, give me the hard part, I can love that too I'm strong enough to take it, and I know what you've been through. You got a whole heart, give me the hard part, I can love that too. You got a whole heart, give me the hard part, I can love that too.